0: Good morning. Welcome. Welcome on this Pentecost Sunday. Good to see you all here. You're kind of wondering why some of us are wearing red. It's because we're celebrating the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit this morning in the Word of God and in our hearts and our lives. And uh, I'm Pastor Bruce. Welcome online and here in the congregation. Good to see you all here. It's a great day to celebrate and to worship our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'd like to begin with a word of prayer and then I wanted to read just a brief uh, word about missions After that, okay? Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for your love for us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit birthed us from above with a living Spirit, alive to you, filled with love, filled with the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, we pray that as we worship, we'll continue to grow and to be nurtured by your Spirit and the truth of your Word, that, Lord God, our lives would be a living sacrifice Set aside, Lord God, completely for you that we would serve you with love and abandon and that the world will hear, receive, and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, for this, we know this is the mighty work of the Spirit and we thank you for who you are and what you do and such a privilege to know you and to be blessed by you, to share that good news too. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I just wanted to briefly note uh, Jack, one of our mission's elders, called my attention that not only is it Pentecost Sunday, but apparently it's also the International Day for the Unreached, and about a third of our world has no access to the gospel or presence of Christian community, and yet a lot of activity is going on, a lot of good things are going on. For example, uh, World Mission has a new leadership training event in a certain country I won't name, and those previously Taliban-related folks have come to Christ, Mm -hmm. and they're learning the gospel and how to teach and how to reach, and they're going to go back into another certain country and share the gospel there. So God is very creative. The Holy Spirit is at work. And I also was touched by a recent news article that we personally, physically can't do anything much about, but a family in North Korea with a two-year-old was discovered to have a Bible in their possession, and now they're all in a labor camp for life, uh, and including the two-year-old. So I just thought, Wow, Lord, we can't do much about that, can we? But the Holy Spirit is Almighty God at work, and the Living Spirit is there in that camp. There's a lot of Christians in that that camp that are suffering and eating terrible food and under terrific circumstances. So. I wanted to pause for a moment and pray for those special people who are isolated from the world, okay? Heavenly Father, God, our hearts grieve to think that just having a Bible could put somebody's life in prison for life. And a two-year-old, Lord God, it breaks our hearts. Lord God, we know, though, that you love those dear people so tremendously that justice will be done. We pray for deliverance from evil for them. We pray that your Holy Spirit continue to do your mighty work there, that you will not only protect those believers, but that, Lord, you would encourage them, and that more and more people, even in that environment, will receive the good news and believe and find life, even in the midst of great suffering. Thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters there. We pray your blessings on them today. And guide the leadership around the world, Lord, to do the right thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing together. (laughs) One, two,
1: one, two. Yep, we're working this morning. Good to see you all. We're going to be singing about freedom. And we are also celebrating Memorial Day weekend and thanking all those who served our country for our freedom but this is a different kind of freedom it's the best kind of freedom and that's freedom from sin freedom from those chains that weigh us down and uh, we just thank the holy spirit that he can uh, work and live and breathe in us new life let's all stand
2: the spirit
1: this morning about the gift you've given us, Father. We love you, and we're so grateful, Father, to be in your presence this morning. Thank you, Father, for setting us free, uh, free to serve you, free to love, free to care, free to tell the truth, and free mostly, Lord, because you have paid the sacrifice on the cross, Lord, for us. Thank you, Lord, and thank you that you didn't leave us alone. You sent your Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us, Lord. We are your temple, and Lord, we walk as your people everywhere we go, and we thank you, Lord.
2: There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope, your presence, Lord. And I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love. Shame is on
0: Father you are amazing just amazing Father Son and Holy Spirit our our minds our hearts can only begin to imagine what you are and who you are and how you are and what you do Lord we see the effects and we read your word and you teach us and you mold us and you shape us we're so thankful that we're not alone it may feel like it sometimes We have our ups and downs but lord god you are almighty god and your holy spirit lives within us we are your holy temple thanks to jesus who did in fact die on the cross that our sins can be laid upon him and we could be set free those chains broken the shame gone lord god we thank you that christ rose from the grave that guarantees the effectiveness of the cross, life, not death, and that we have eternal life through what Christ has accomplished for us. Lord, thank you so much for the life we have in Jesus. We thank you that our identity is in Christ, that we can stand before you in worship in gratitude, made new day by day. Lord, we owe you everything, and we thank you. We thank you, Father, that In this weekend as well not only do we celebrate Pentecost the coming of your Holy Spirit and the very real presence now but Lord God we also thank you for the unreached who have no opportunity yet to hear receive and believe the good news in ways that are obvious we pray Lord God that your work will continue in a mighty way that all those people can have that wonderful opportunity we also want to thank you God that this Memorial Day tomorrow those who passed away in the service of the country in battle and otherwise. Lord, we thank you for the military. We know that they are part of your instruments used in a godly hand. We pray, Lord, that our military would be used in that way always, that they would serve you above all things as we seek to serve you in all things. May you touch our military members' hearts too with the good news of Jesus Christ, and find hope there in him. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I've got a couple of announcements that we want to make. First of all, uh, Christine was going to be in the nursery this morning, but she's not feeling well, and that just reminds us that we could always use more volunteers in our nursery ministry. So if my, my father-in-law, should he be alive today, he loved to be in the nursery and rock babies so that's an ongoing need that we have. So if you'd like to be part of our nursing nursery, not nursing, ministry, uh, please let us know, and let me know, and let Amy in the office know, and we'd love to have more volunteers. Also, I'd like to have, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Teen Challenge here. Where's Claudia? There, Claudia, come on up. And then Gabe, why don't you come on up too? Because we're going to present to our graduates the gifts that we have for them. Claudia's got an update on Teen Challenge for us.
3: I'm sure all of you who've been by this, the new shop are thrilled and excited to be a part of that. Um, we have been working diligently, and me personally as well, to uh, get everything going. And we had hoped it would be happen in May. Uh, sorry, in April. Or Where are we? <laughs> I think I've been working too much. Um, we had hoped to have it earlier than what it is. It should have been open in May, but unfortunately, we had so much stuff going on in there that we had to have lots of people helping, and I'm one of them. And I also would like to tell you that it is going to happen very soon. They are still having the covers on the windows in the front. So, but if you have anything you wanna donate, they're taking them every day, and including, not Sunday of course, but um, every other day they will take, except in the back, where there's a loading spot. They accept the the donations, and we're getting so much good stuff from you guys and from all over the the city. It's wonderful. Um, Also, don't forget the fact that the boys ongoing have needs, and if anybody wants to donate in the box out there in the front, um, they always need deodorant. They always need toothpaste, razors, so many things that I'm gonna bring a list of items so that you can know what they need, if they need anything, and they will be on there. Um, Also, um, we would love to have volunteers. I'm a volunteer. Um, I've been there every day working on the clothing, and I love doing it. It's fun. And we also have some paid staff, but we really could use some volunteers if you would like to try it. It's really fun. I'm addicted now to it. I have to go in there and do my addiction thing, so I go (laughs) ahead. So I go in there, and I'm putting all the stuff on the shelves and putting sizes on everything, and I love every minute of it. I get to see the boys. I mean, what more can you ask? They come in every day at noon, and they come and they load things up and do all the stuff that I do, and it's wonderful. So um, please feel free to make the donations, and I'll let you know as soon as I know exactly when we'll be opening. Or you can watch for the windows to clean up. So they've got scaffolding in front right now. So I don't know what they're doing with that. But who knows? Um, anyway, we're going great, great guns there. And you're going to be really surprised. Uh, several of you guys showed up uh, the other day, Jean Reynolds and her, her friend Sherry. And they got to come in and have a personal little, I, I showed them around, and they got to see everything. And they were very excited. So I know you all will be too.
0: And for those that are curious, it'll be right next to Bi Mart on the right there. Oh, the, the, old the old Goodwill. So it's very exciting. Gabe, come on up. And just as Gabe's coming up to present the, senior, the graduates uh, their gifts today, just a quick note. Normally on today, we have a barbecue for Pentecost Sunday. Our two fellowship elders are out and about this weekend. And not only that, but we had a lot of taco stuff left over from Presbytery. So we're going to resurrect the taco. Stuff next Sunday, so dress down unless you want hot sauce on your clothes or something like that. Uh, we're gonna have wonderful tacos, and tacos are perfect for everybody because you can add what you want, right? So we're looking forward to next Sunday after church, a taco fest outside, hopefully, if the weather's good. It sounds like it's gonna be 80 some degrees later on Sunday next week, so it'll be plenty warm and nice. So I think we're gonna be eating outside, it's gonna be a blast. Uh, invite your friends to come to church and uh, hear the good word of god and celebrate and eat tacos with us
4: cool um well for you guys that don't know um my name's gabe i'm the youth pastor here oh i dropped i dropped somebody's gift um it's all good it's just there you go um but anyways we're doing great um i'm a youth pastor here um and one of our amazing students uh is diana Um, she's actually graduating this year She, she's not our only senior, but she's our only senior that's here today. Uh, obviously, Memorial Day weekend, so people are out and about doing stuff. Um, but we just want to take uh, today's officially graduation Sunday for us. Though she doesn't graduate for another, like, it's. June 9th, so she has a little bit of time between now and her after graduation, but for us, she's graduating, Um, and so, and officially, um, kind of all students now, as of today, are kind of moving up a grade, just so, and that, but we just want to take time to celebrate Mm -hmm. you, Diana, Um, if you guys don't know Diana, you can already see, she has the the biggest, brightest smile all the time, Um, she's done theater, Uh, you actually had a play on Wednesday, correct, or a, a concert? Concert, yeah. She's does, just she does choir and theater, so she's she did a bunch of stuff, but she's been a blessing to me, she's been a blessing to the ministry, and she's a blessing to so many people, and we're so grateful to have had you in the church and our other seniors that are, mm-hmm. uh, aren't here have all been a blessing, and we're just grateful to be able to have um, a student ministry where we get to see you guys grow up and, and celebrate you. Just know I'm proud of you. I love you very much. We all love you. Yes. Um, and we just wanted to give you this special gift to celebrate you. So give another round of applause for our amazing senior. <laughs>
0: okay.
4: And that's You want to pray? Pray for her. Oh, yes, we're going to pray over you. Obviously, prayer. Jeez, come on. <laughs> <laughs> over oh, here crying. got to pray for her. You can do it. Yeah. Go. <laughs> uh, Father God, uh, we just thank you so much uh, just for our seniors, and specifically for Diana, um, just uh, for the blessing that they are to us. We're just so grateful and proud to see, um, the next generation growing up, um, moving on to the next chapter in our lives. Um, and our time with them is short, but it is so good, Lord. And we're grateful just to have them here, a part of the life of the church. We pray for their next steps as they move on to college and careers and different things. Uh, we pray that you would just guide them, direct them, um, Help them just to keep you at the forefront of their mind always as they enter into uh, the world and they can take the gospel that they have holding on or that they've held for their lives um, into the world and share that with others uh, as they go about their lives following you. In your mighty name, we
0: pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. All right, well, the kids are free to head down the hallway. Yep. Congratulations, Dan. Kids are free to head down for Sunday school, middle and high school, also with Gabe. Oh, time goes by so fast, it's amazing. I'd like to invite us to turn in our Bibles to Romans, Romans, Romans. Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 this morning. This is Pentecost Sunday, and many times in the past I've preached on the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and that. But you know what? The Holy Spirit isn't just um, an event that came on Pentecost and to look back and reflect. The Holy Spirit is here right now in our hearts, and through the Word, the Holy Spirit works. And so as I read this, the Word of God for us this morning, and I hope you'll follow along with me, We're not going to talk about an event then. I want us to experience the living Holy Spirit now. This is Pentecost Sunday, and this is the day where we're going to really let the Holy Spirit in an amplified way in our own mind, our own conscience, allow that Holy Spirit's work that He can transform ourselves in Christ. That's the work of that Spirit that we're talking about. So hear now the word of the Lord. Paul is quite uh, energized as he starts here. What shall we say then, he asks? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we'll certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the preservation of the truth. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit's work right now in ourselves as we've heard these words and read these words. We ask, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit now continue your transforming work in us, that the world can see the transformation, that we can embrace it, and that, Lord God, we would truly live to serve you in Christ, with life. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, You know, it's an interesting thing I, I never really realized, but when I was doing the research on this chapter, I discovered that Paul never, ever typically calls us Christians. He identifies us as people in Christ. And that makes a profound difference if we let that sink in in how we live and how we think and how we're motivated, not just as a Christian by title or identity, how we might check a little box on a sheet of paper, but we are in Jesus Christ all the time. Even after we die, we're in Christ. It's our true name. It's our true identity, and that's what Paul says. It underlines all of his paragraphs. It underlines all of his thinking that to be in Christ means, and then he's laid it all out for us in all the letters that he wrote, and it's predominant throughout the New Testament. And even, you could say, the saints in the Old Testament as well. They live by faith, of course. These are the works that we have in Christ Jesus. So the New Testament takes in Christ very seriously because it has a profound effect on our very lives. So maybe it's it's always easier to say, I'm a Christian. I remember that man in the VA hospital once where I was asking him, What's your religious preference? And there's a little check sheet, and you've got all these different choices. And he says, well, I'm, I'm not Catholic, so, I don't know, Protestant? Okay, then. It's, that's just too simple. If we realize we're not just a box that's checked or something in our lives on a certificate or something, but we are in Christ all the time, that changes us. And that's what Paul's point here seems to be. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know who your identity is linked to? That you're not an autonomous person with a label of Christian. You have a new being in Christ. You're a new creation made new by Jesus. And that affects all of us all the time. So the first point that struck me this week was this. Believers are totally united with Christ. And it's not like a a compartment. It's a unity of the whole that we're together, united completely. Let's look again at verse 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. What We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know, and and he's assuming they do know, don't you know That all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death. In order that, here's the reason why. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. The immediate context for this, you know, I've I've discovered Paul has a lot of concerns about what he's saying. He keeps, he'll drop a line like a verse, and then he has to back up for like a paragraph or two or even a whole chapter to make sure he wasn't understood here. And what's happening at the moment that we're in in these five verses is Paul made a statement in verse 20 in chapter 5, and he knows that if it's not properly understood, people are going to run in the wrong direction and abuse it. And here's what he said, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In other words, you can't sin so much that God's grace in Christ Jesus can't forgive you. So then the attitude becomes, well, if God's grace is greater than my sin, then why am I worried about sinning? I can sin all I want. In fact, I can ignore the whole issue. I can kind of live the way I want to live, and God has this big eraser and he just keeps erasing all the mess I've made right behind me and I shouldn't even bother with it. So maybe complacency is what Paul is concerned about, but it gets worse than that. It was taught amongst at least some of them, and you can see where this is going perhaps, that if grace is greater than my sin, then can I give God glory by sinning more All it does is magnify grace, right? So the more I sin, the more God's grace just jumps out. Think of the celebration we can have every Sunday. We can have testimonies about how we sin like crazy this week. Would we have another sinner come forward and share what terrible things you've done this week to the glory of God? Take a mic. Let's hear about it. But this is what was happening. And Paul's afraid that what he just said, which was absolutely true, could be abused so he's taking all this time to back up and say now in case you misunderstood what this means i want you to understand who you are in christ it's so important does sin really matter you might wonder well is this just a rhetorical thing i mean do people really go down that path that they think they can sin like crazy so god gets more glory well it actually did happen Do you remember someone named Rasmussen? Rasputin, rather. Rasputin. He was a 19th, 20th century advisor to the Romanov family in Russia. He was their spiritual advisor. His advice was this, that he believed that the more you sinned, the more glory God received, because God is full of grace, greater than your sin. But then he went on to say this, ordinary sins aren't enough. You need to be an extraordinary sinner in order to give God extraordinary glory. Praise God. That's literally what Rasputin was telling the Romanov family and others. So, yes, it can happen. You may wonder, did it happen in Paul's time? Well, look at Jude 4 in your outlines. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. In other words, they're grateful to be forgiven, they're grateful to be saved, but is Jesus their Lord? No. Does Jesus have any sovereign authority over their lives? No. They want to live the way the world lives, pleasing and self-centered and Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Now I'm going to live the way I want to live. And it's there in the book of Jude. So it is present in the world today, and it was present at the time that Paul wrote. Trends that I've seen in ministry that are somewhat similar are more nuanced, I think, when a leader of a church or an elder or a parent says, Well, these things I'll give Jesus authority over, but let's keep our first things first. Let's keep our priorities straight. These other things that the Bible says are sins, well, we'll just tolerate those because we have a priority. These are our principles of of importance over here. If we keep our eye on the important things, then we won't be paying attention to the unimportant things. Who says any sin is unimportant? Who says that Jesus can be compartmentalized that Jesus gets lordship over this part of my life, but I'm not going to give Jesus lordship over this part of my life. And Paul says, that's crazy. It's insane. It doesn't work. Either Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not your Lord at all. Lord is Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords, Almighty God. We cannot compartmentalize and segment off a part of our lives and give God some of it not other parts of it. And this is what Paul's concerned about. So then he says, by no means. I'm going to show a little clip here that I think this is what no means means.
2: Great Scott! Great Scott! Great Scott! I know, this is heavy.
0: Short. There's a lot of those Great Scots in those uh, Back to the Future movies. Jenny found them for me, so I I made them a little shorter. This is how I like to read Paul's Paul's word, and you've probably heard me do it before. Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? Great Scott knew! Some people think that Paul was bald. It's stuff like this that he lost his hair over. He's, he's, he's emotional. He's moved. He's outraged. He's, he's going crazy. He's like, how in the world can you even think for a minute that God enjoys your sin? How can you imagine that God has a plan that we should go on sinning extraordinarily, even like Rasputin said, so that God gets more glory? What a plan God has. And and Paul's like, this is just insane. And then he says, don't you know who you are? Apparently, the people in Rome were actually going down that path. And Paul is just beside himself, the Greek by no means, which sounds really kind of lame in, in English, like, oh, yeah, by no means. No, in Greek, it's about as close to swearing as you want to get without swearing. It's, it's a lot of emotion. These are words of inner angst and, and concern and outrage. He can't speak strongly enough that that is not the way we should live. So he goes on. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And you may wonder, what does he mean? Well, can the dead do anything? The dead can't sin. So what he's saying is if you've died in Christ, by default, then that describes your life. You are no longer a slave or a prisoner. Your motivations in your life don't come from the world and self-centered interests. You have a Holy Spirit of the living God in you. And that Holy Spirit is a holy spirit. And that Holy Spirit is transforming our lives daily. And so when we died as in Christ, we now have a new life in Christ. But remember the key phrase, in Christ. That's really our identity. Then he talks about baptism to describe it. Talk about confusing at first, because when we say baptism, what immediately comes to mind? water. And then you get into all the debates about, well, do you sprinkle? Do you pour? Do you immerse? Does it have to be fresh water? What about seawater? What about baptizing someone over again? And, And all this stuff goes on. That is absolutely not what Paul is even thinking about. Baptism in Greek simply means this, all in, immersed. When Jesus was crucified, for example, he told them ahead of time, I have a baptism to undergo. In other words, I'm going to get crucified. And you never get sort of crucified. You never get half crucified. You get killed being crucified. He's all in. And so when Paul uses the word baptism, let the water idea go, he's really saying, you are all in immersed in christ it all points to jesus that's what he's saying and you may not realize it but when we get baptized it's really a in a sense a naming ceremony an identity change when i was born uh, my birth mother told me later i'm adopted my birth mother told me that she thought maybe my name would be david and then when i was in foster care for a couple of months my name was rex And then when my mom and dad adopted me, I became Bruce. I've had three naming ceremonies, you could say, but none of them changed my identity, my real identity. My identity when I was born was in Adam. That was the name that we're all born in. All humankind is alike in being born, needing to be saved. When I came to faith in Jesus Christ, then I was given a new name. And I think the name that we're trying to highlight here isn't some christening name, like what Christian name would you like to be called? It has to do with what Matthew 28, 19 says. Baptizing them, Jesus said, in the name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what's your identity through faith in Jesus Christ? Baptism, in this instance, is a public declaration of that naming. My name is in the Trinity. My identity is rooted in the Lord. And I'm not an autonomous, compartmentalized believer in Christ. So ultimately, the baptism that Paul is talking about draws our attention not to the methodology or the water, but to Jesus, that we are all immersed In Christ Jesus. And since he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, in a spiritual sense, in a meaningful sense, in a powerful sense, I died with him. My sins have been removed by what Christ did for me. Then he rose from the grave, and in that same sense, then I am alive in Christ. And again, it's my identity in Christ. That's what Paul's point is again and again and again. Now, maybe it doesn't feel like it. But, the, but then sometimes I forget that I'm an American. It doesn't occur to me all the time that I'm an American citizen. Sometimes my feelings are here, there, and everywhere. But it doesn't change my identity. I'm an American citizen. Born here, American citizen. That's my identity. Your identity in Christ Jesus is just as secure and just as certain No matter what our feelings are, no matter what the day is like, no matter what troubles we face, in Christ Jesus now and forever, that's who we are. Philippians 3, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that we like His glorious body. You've been given a name. When you became a believer in Jesus Christ, it hadn't to do with your water baptism, although that's a public declaration of a naming. But the minute you come to faith in Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit birthed from above, as Jesus told Nicodemus, that wonderful Holy Spirit transformed your life. You are now in Christ forever. And I think when we let that percolate down, you realize everything about me in Christ has transformative work, doesn't it? It affects our thinking. It affects our feelings. It affects our service. It affects our very lives as a whole. That's what Paul's point is. We don't live in bits and pieces. We're a complete whole person. In Christ. We owe him everything. Then, secondly, the thing that he draws out to explain it even more is the result of dying and rising with Christ. The result of dying and rising with Christ. 6 through 10. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, done, over with, completed. But the life he lives, he lives to God now. This is probably one of the most tightly worded, pieces in the book of Romans, and it, it's not that hard to understand once you realize what it means by your old self in that kind of language. There are certain things in there that, like baptism, you, immediately something might spring to mind, I think I know what he means, but it's good to know what he intends. The old self hasn't to do with our lives before we became believers in Christ. It has to do with our identity along with every human being ever born except Jesus, in Adam, born without a living spirit to God, born in, with a sin nature, this was the old self that existed prior to our coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's not an age. It's, just, it's something meant to be that's described as worn out, torn and tattered. You wouldn't give this old self to Teen Challenge. It is a tragic wreck. Nobody would want it. It's kind of like the old mission barrel, you know, get your old worn out jeans and throw it in the barrel and send it to the missionaries overseas and they get everything that nobody here would want to wear. This is the old self that Paul is describing. This, myself, yourselves, this is the person that needs to be thrown out, this old self. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So basically, it's a regime change. Who is the Lord of my life? The Lord, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of my life, and I'm his servant. I'm there to obey everything he taught me. Now, there is still a struggle, and it's very interesting. When Paul talks about the struggle with sin, he always talks about the body and the body parts. Our spirits belong to the Lord. The Holy Spirit lives within this body, but he kind of distances the sin nature in us, the struggle that we have prior to our own coming to Christ face to face, right? That there's the body parts that can be applied to wickedness and sin or applied for Jesus. And he says, that's a battle and it's an ongoing one. We'll hear more about that in the weeks to come. Paul's very transparent about that. But he says, but don't forget that even in the midst of struggle or even when we fall flat on our face and we know we've transgressed or sinned and done so willingly or even unwillingly or unknowingly, thank the Lord you are still in Christ. You're still in Christ. Paul says keep that in mind. In Scotland, apparently, in the older times, when somebody committed a capital crime and their, their execution date was set, they typically executed people about 8 o'clock in the morning. And then they would post a notice on the door of the prison that so-and-so had been executed that very morning. But here's how they phrased the note. At 8 a.m. this morning, and then there would be a date and the year, and then the name of the person who was executed, they said they were justified. Not executed. Justified. In other words, their obligations to the state had been satisfied. And there was no longer any trial or execution in the future. The justice was satisfied. They are now, in a figuratively sense, free from that crime. When Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, God declared us justified. Christ's execution for the consequences of our sins set us free. That's the public notice of the cross. Our union with Jesus, being in Christ, is the key to understanding Paul, to seeing our lives transformed. The result is we're freed from sin and its consequences, death, and we're justified from sin forever and ever and ever. Has it dawned on you that you've died to sin in Christ? Does the meaning in Christ then transform the entirety of who you are? Paul would say there is no other answer. Can we go on sinning in this compartment so that grace can increase or we presume on it? As a believer with the Holy Spirit in us, you know that kind of gnaws at you. I do. And so what we want to do is confess that we haven't really surrendered all aspects of our life to the Lordship of Christ. Otherwise, we'd be sinless. But we want to aim for that, and we want to confess our sins, and we want to repent and turn, and to turn to Jesus. And never, ever, ever, ever let Satan tempt you into thinking you're no longer in Christ. You couldn't get in on your own, you're not going to get out on your own either. Christ is our security, and God says if you're justified then there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that later on in his letter. We are really, truly free. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who, by the way, keeps coming up in every commentary I ever read and everything I look at, Martin Lloyd-Jones must be the benchmark for many people's understanding of Romans. He's passed away now, but he wrote this. Do not go on living as if you were still the old person because the old man has died. Do not go on living as if he was still there. You're in Christ. That's a major, major identity change. Then an unusual thing happens. The third point in your outlines is this, our imperatives in Christ. An imperative is a command. It's an authority in our lives that are given to us in Scripture. And there hasn't been a single imperative in the book of Romans till now. In fact, the first 12 or first 11 chapters don't have any imperatives in them except in chapter 6. We won't find any more imperatives until we get to chapter 12 and you get the therefore. The first 11 chapters are all the buildup into how do we then live in Christ. So chapter 6 is a bit of a synopsis of the entire book. Paul can't wait till chapter 12. He's got to kind of give us a little glimpse early on just to, I think, keep the flames going and let the Holy Spirit move. And so in these verses, we find four imperatives. And there'll be no more imperatives for a while yet. Well, there's some more in the next sermon because we're still in chapter 6. But we won't see any more until we get to chapter 12. Here's what the Word says. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. There are four main imperatives here. Count, do not let, do not offer, and then offer. These are the things that Paul's telling us we should do. They're imperatives. You know, if we're convinced that our Christian lives are kind of hopelessly mired in the muck that I'm a sinner, that I'm not set free by Jesus, that there's no hope of transformation. A leopard can't change his spots. Never mind that we're not leopards. We're human, filled with the Holy Spirit and the transforming work of God. If we think we're hopeless, then we won't work on anything. We won't work toward anything. We won't confess our sins. We'll feel miserable even, and doubts and sorrow and darkness and grayness will happen in our lives, and we don't really live for Christ. We don't celebrate who we are in Christ. We grind with duty and obligation and struggle and effort. We're not trying to crucify the old self. That old self's already dead. What we want to do is live with life. And so Paul says, here's what you need to do in order to live that life, to let that freedom reign. First, he says, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, to live mindfully that we are baptized into Christ. All in, immersed. Jesus is our everything. Our name is in Christ. That should permeate every aspect of who we are. John Wayne, apparently those of you that are younger may not know John Wayne. I don't know. I think most of us would know John Wayne. Um, John Wayne had a, a different kind of walk, didn't he? It was the John Wayne walk. Do you know he taught his boys how to walk, the John Wayne walk? (laughs) Dad taught his boys how to walk. And so they learned to walk the way Dad walked. I don't even know how that was. But apparently that's what he did. It was important to him that his boys walk as he did. And it's the same thing with Jesus. The Scriptures tell us how Jesus walked, the Jesus that we know and love. And we're to be keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says. To walk as Jesus would walk. We had an interesting uh, event before worship started. A very interesting character came in. Um, I won't tell you how interesting he really was, but quite interesting. And a bit challenging, and you want to present Christ. And he wanted to just sing and to listen to the music, so the praise team was practicing. And he ends up not sitting in the back and listening, but he comes up here and he starts dancing and bobbing and weaving. And um, There's a little bit of a breath, uh, you know, he'd been drinking. There was a bud in the back of his little stroller. And uh, he had caution tape hanging out of his hair, and he was quite the character. And I kept thinking, how do we enable the Holy Spirit to touch this man in a way that he may not even know or be receptive to? But the power of the living God is very real so there was and I compliment the praise team for putting up with the distractions and we did our very best to present Christ's love but sometimes you can't really communicate right to someone whose mind is not all there and they're also inebriated or on something else so there's a time where you just have to pull it back but you know you think the Holy Spirit can still get through to that person? I do. And we did our very best to show the love of Jesus to him. Eventually, we had to call the cops, and he had to leave. And he's probably very familiar with them, and I know they're very familiar with him. But our role was to make sure he knew the love of Jesus was real. And, and it was a, a very unusual moment, and not an easy moment. But A God moment, you know? These things don't happen by chance. So we don't want to miss the opportunity. What we want to do is show the love of Christ in us with good judgment, right? So John Wayne had a way of walking. When that man came in, you know what my first thoughts were? I could ask him to leave right away. He seemed safe, seemed passive. You know, he had his moments, but he calmed And he stuck with me more or less. And I thought to myself, I want him to pick up something. Anything. Anything. That could be a memory for him. He listened to the music. That'll be a memory for him. The words will be a memory for him. The Holy Spirit can do a work in that broken man's life, in his broken mind. Something special can happen to him. We don't ever ever want to forget. And so... I could have treated him like the world and said, "Hey, get out of here. You're not welcome in church." Does that sound wrong to anybody? Um, But you know, you got to be safe, so we we kept a close eye on things. But to say you can't, you're not welcome here is, I don't. It just doesn't seem like Jesus to me. But again, we have to be safe. We have the right to assemble. We have a right to peaceful assembly, right? So there's all those things, too, but and decency and in order is part of our worship. But in that pre-worship moment, how did we behave? I think we did the best we could under the circumstances, prayed like crazy, and ministered to Him in a way that we could. But you know who really brings it home? He's probably in jail right now, I'm assuming. The Holy Spirit is right there with him, working on his heart, and mind and i pray that the music words will reflect in his mind and his spirit i i we got to pray for that man if you see a guy walking around with caution tape hanging out of his hair and feathers stuck in his bandana um pray for him i suspect we're going to see more local uh folks around then he says this, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do you see where he mentions body? He knows that there's evil desires in the body. He doesn't say our spirit is evil. He doesn't say we're not born again. He doesn't say we're not a fit, holy residence, a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a holy temple of the Holy Spirit. But he does say our bodies are the problem. There's sin there lurking this side of meeting Jesus face to face. And he says, don't let that rule over you. Don't let that have authority over you. This is obviously a choice. You can choose to let sin reign or not. Who is your Lord? Jesus. Who then has the command authority over our lives? Who can we trust to meet the needs that we have for pleasure and for purpose and meaning and hope, Jesus. Sometimes it can be a wandering journey, but Jesus knows where home is and how this is going to turn out. And so we can let Jesus reign and don't let Satan fool you, tempt you into thinking that you're a slave to sin with no hope. If the Son sets you free, Jesus said, you are free indeed. Don't let any other temptation affect who you are in Christ. Again, when we let that sink in, it affects everything. Then he says, don't offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Faith in Jesus, alive in Christ. He won't bring that up again until chapter 12, but that is basically what he's going to tell us in chapter 12. And then he says, Offer parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. In other words, he finishes with a positive imperative. Let's live for Christ and for him alone. For verse 14, then, is not an imperative. It's just a simple statement. For sin shall not be your master. No way, no how. Because you're not under law, but under grace it's interesting in English the word master just sounds like that but inherent in the word master is the root word Lord so let's read it that way for sin shall not be your Lord because you're not under law but under grace who is the Lord of your life Jesus Christ who has the power to liberate us from those chains jesus christ if dominic who went through teen challenge were to give his testimony this morning he said it took about nine months of wrestling wrestling he said he almost left teen challenge every month every month he even had a plan that if he got that stimulus check he was going to be out the door the next day but that stimulus check got stolen the day before he would have left does god work in mysterious ways yeah And he now does a wonderful job here janitorial work he's part of our saturday morning bible study started this week we're in genesis 4 5 and you know what god works in these beautiful ways and it's what the holy spirit doing miracle things that none of us could contrive none of us could force none of us could coerce the holy spirit's amazing and paul says we're not under law We're not trying to be right with God. We are right with God. We're not trying to clean up our acts so that God likes us or owes us something. We are right with God. We are forgiven. He constantly cleanses us from all unrighteousness. This is the gift of God. Galatians 2.20, I think, really tells us how Paul saw himself. And in the same way, Paul tells us how we should see ourselves. Powerful words. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. The old Adam, the old worldliness, the own self-centeredness, the I want what I want, he says, no, I no longer live that way. But Christ lives in me, Right? The life I live in the body, the one that gives us trouble, I live by faith. See how important faith remains? Despite ups and downs, faith is king. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know the love of Jesus? Will you let that in Christ transform your life, if there's been a compartment over here that you really don't want Jesus to be Lord of, you want that independent freedom to do what you want to do, then this morning would be a great morning to say, Lord, you can have it all. An illustration once that really struck me as, as a good visual is Jesus doesn't come into our lives to do a remodel. He doesn't come into our lives to make this part better and, well, then maybe take this piece out and let's put something better in. It's not a remodeling event. When Christ comes into our lives, he brings a wrecking ball. He wants the whole thing, the entire house, all of it. Smash all that old self, destroy it. It's dead. And what do we have instead? New life. In Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so very much that we are in Christ. Lord, in the world, there's a lot of voices, a lot of temptations. Without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, there's no desire really to live for you at all. People think they're freer, but Lord God, they're actually slaves to sin, bondage, and Lord, we were there. We're not different from that time in our lives, from that world we see around us. We, we know. But thank you so very much that your Holy Spirit came and we were birthed with a living spirit, that you made us righteous. You declared us justified, dead to sin in Christ who died on the cross. For the forgiveness of those very sins Thank you, God, that it's not just the sins of the past, but the sins of this moment, the sins in the future. Lord God, it's all taken care of by Jesus. And we are liberated. We are free, free to be loved and to love, free to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you. Thank you so much. We pray that you will renew our minds with a real identity that we truly are in christ completely baptized immersed all in that everything about christ is everything about us death resurrection holiness thank you god for the holy spirit's work in us thank you that you will complete that wonderful work and when we see you face to face it's going to be perfect it's going to be right it'll be holy and it's all because of jesus Thank you, Lord. Help us to live into that reality today. And in your name we pray. Amen. Let's.
2: Christ, not mine but His, it's in His strength alone that I truly live. I'm dead and gone, I'm crucified, He's raised me up to His eternal life.
0: And may the love of the Father, oh, so rich, and the wonderful saving grace of Jesus Christ, with whom you're in, and the wonderful fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. And all of my brothers and sisters in in Christ can say amen. amen. God bless you. Come on down to the fellowship hall, have some goodies, and enjoy each other's company. God bless.